Yeah, that's the fun of it, right? Because some of these are absurd. Wild speculation time. Well, hello, FC Dallas Curious Fan. Welcome to episode 94 of Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90, 25% off site wide for all Third Degree podcast listeners with promo code third degree on soccer90.com 25% still a good discount not the special holiday discount and not the special Dan Kirk engagement discount but uh, still a nice discount everybody go get yourself some swag tell them we sent you all right joining me as usual is my cohort these days is our resident English man and FC Dallas expert Dan Crook Dan welcome to podcast episode 94 thanks and uh, happy 94th week of the MLS offseason it feels like week 94, doesn't it? The MLS offseason is way too long, and it's going to get longer. All right, Dan, let's let's get right into the news and the big, 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 big news of the week. Uh, not surprising news, but big news is that FC Dallas traded Michael Barrios to the Colorado Rapids for essentially a bag of balls. <laughs> they They swapped up picks in the first round. They got an international slot, and there's some language about incentives based on something metrics i'm gonna assume that metric is playing time i don't know what else you hook it to certainly not goals that would be dumb so dan what's your reaction on michael barrios being traded um i mean i know social media is uh kind of a aghast right now but we've been talking about this happening really since the season ended uh a guy about to hit 30 in april who really underperformed this year and seemed to lose a step and his decision making was really exposed in in that and you know a salary that's probably in the region of 600 grand by this point yeah the salary's got to be near what a dp's salary hit is um so if you're looking to move cap room to to bring in a dp as we think that they are that this move makes sense uh, Barrios would have been in the last year of his contract in 2021. So if you wanted him past this season, you probably would have had to gone, you know, three more years. So you might be looking at a guy who's 34. Uh, you know, essentially they're trading away a guy with one year left on a contract, which is why the low return for him, you know, if he'd have been in the first year of a four-year contract, then you might have gotten a lot better return. Uh, the writing was on the wall, really, Dan. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with when he when he was sat down for the last couple of playoff games. And not even, you know, important games, not one playoff game. And was it two playoff games? Maybe in the season final. I can't remember exactly now. Should have prepped better, right? My bad. Um, <laughs> the uh, When you're when you sat down, but not even sat down for like another wing. You were sat down for a left back to play your position. Uh, that's pretty telling. Yeah, especially for a guy that had played 96 consecutive games, yet really going into that season, uh, into last season, sorry. Um, you know, twice led the team in, no, three times led the team um, with most games played. Uh, twice led it with most assists, and this year it was five assists and a goal. Just it, you know, it just wasn't. It wasn't productive, and I know there's been some. There's been some takes of well, you know, it's because it's because Hara didn't finish or Cobra didn't finish earlier on, and it's it's not that it's 
you know, the, these are things that have happened because he's got to the fullback and then he's just not had the legs to go around him or he's just run into him. Um, you know, it's kind of... We've seen kind of something similar from Castillo, anyone who's kind of seen him after he's left Dallas and picked up those injuries, lost a little step, and, you know, just doesn't... He's not like a, a Paxton or or someone who is going to skillfully go around the player. He's, it's raw pace or nothing. Um, I think... You know, you you mentioned it in in one of the third degree burns this week, and you were completely right. One trick pony, and when you lose that trick, what's left? Yeah, it, it, you could make some cases, perhaps, that maybe he put on a little weight this year. I thought he was looked a little heavier. That's just my eyeball test. Uh, he did have a kid. It was a COVID year, you know. But the chances that he's going to progress back in a positive direction at, in the year that he's hitting thirty are lower. And in the end, it's about. Uh, what I've talked about before, when you run a soccer team in the winter, you have to be brutal about your roster. You cannot be sentimental. You cannot be like, oh, he's been a good servant of the club. We're going to keep him around. Not in a salary cap league, not in a league that has strict roster rules like this one has. You can't just have a guy hanging around because you like him. You got Either he's a contributing first line striker at the money he's making or you're moving on. And at that money and with the performance that Dallas had last year with the worst offense in the league, and you're probably handcuffed and guaranteed money horror more than likely. You know, they've jettisoned pretty much every wing they have, and it's not surprising. And I even wrote about it at the start of the offseason that they had to do some serious consideration about Barrios. I would have been okay with one more year. I would have been okay if they'd have kept him. But the number isn't great. And honestly, he wasn't going to be a first-team starter. He was going to be a backup if he'd have been around this year. I think we can say that pretty safely. So um, yeah. it, it, it was time to move on, and I, and I actually think – not it's a tough emotional cut because of the fan favoritism of him. And he's been one of our best players to watch over the last five years or so. So I get it. It's emotionally hard, but um, it was time. Now the, the other thing that happened today was the signing of a young player by FC Dallas. And his name is Khalil El Makur. Did I say it right? Medcour, Medcar. I blew it. Khalil El Medcar. That's his name. So um, now you should not take that signing, Dan, and I know you didn't, as Barrios's replacement. It's just a coincidence that that happened at the same time, and it's just a coincidence that he wears number 21. He has a left wing instead of a right wing. Um, but, but you know Dan as well as anybody. Senior college homegrown players, this is a player that you should expect an impact equivalent to Nikosi Burgess or Eddie Manjoma. This is not a homegrown this is not. Uh, this is equivalent to sniping a draft pick out of the draft pool early. This is not a guy you should come in to expect to do anything but play for North Texas Soccer Club in the first half of the year. And if he didn't play at all a single game in 2021, that would not surprise me at all. Now, hopefully their scouting is good. Hopefully this guy can contribute. He did score something like 20 goals and 20 assists over four years in college. He does have good production. you know. But this is not the Barrios replacement. This is just a guy... And uh, it's a coincidence that happened at the same time. They they like him. And you can make it equivalent to like um, Nicky Hernandez signing directly with North Texas Soccer Club and pulling him out of the draft pool. This is a guy that would have been in the top 15, 16 picks, and they've pulled him out of the pool. And so in that sense, it's a good move, I think. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's your, your Chris Reeves, your uh, really your um, Aaron Guillen, any of those other players that, 
you know, FC Dallas has kind of just pulled the the homegrown card on because, you know, they can in that senior season. The difference here is uh, we've seen homegrown rights a trade a, a tradable asset for a, a pretty much set fee of fifty grand uh, general allocation money, and and that's what they've done. Um, Philadelphia doesn't use wings. It's that it's that very narrow diamond. So. They had no use for him, so you can either watch him go and not get something, or you can get at least fifty grand. Yeah, I was looking through the roster today, just thinking about this idea. Like, when was the last non-generation Adidas draft pick that had value, consistent value, consistent playing value? And you have to go back to like Ryan Hollingshead and Matt Hedges, you know, uh, Kyle Zobeck. You know, it's, it's like no, nobody on this roster is not a homegrown or like a free agent signing. It's like the chances that a college player is going to be a significant contributor are really, really small. That being said, I think it's a great move. I love when Dallas is savvy and uses the rules to circumvent things and grab players out of the pool. I love that idea. Now, just don't expect it to be impact and don't attach it to Michael Barrios. It's a completely independent discussion. You know, Michael Barrios got his trade, got an international spot. It cleared essentially the amount of cat space you need to sign a DP. You know, it lines up with what, what we've been saying and all the signs are pointing to is that they're going to be bringing in a DP, probably using the Reynolds money to make that happen. So two completely unrelated things. And definitely Dallas is setting up for that for that idea. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it, it, you know, it's it's kind of a nice way to to play the roster rules. Um, you know, having the homegrown player, having the homegrown tag and homegrown roster spot, that money comes off of the, it doesn't count against the salary cap. Uh, we're in a, a draft where we're only going to have three generation Adidas players, so FC Dallas doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of of getting one of those uh, players who who has that contract that's essentially free as uh, as Johnny Nelson's was, so uh, you know, good, good for them to uh, kind of see that there's a diminishing draft pool and, and and consistently get around it. Yeah, by signing a homegrown con- contract, uh, Khalil will be on the supplemental roster. There was one open space, although. Uh, FC Dallas likes to buy down homegrown guys because a couple of their homegrown guys get paid enough that they could leave them on the senior roster. So Dallas does have flexibility. Like, for example, Dante Seeley at the end of last year was on the senior roster. But they can use a little of that Tam Gam like they like to do. And so right now, I've put Dante on the bottom, and that means all 10 supplemental spots are full. Again, they could slide a guy or two up if they decide they need some space for another homegrown or something. Um, or a college senior that they draft with their now 15th pick, perhaps. You know, if they want to sign that guy to a, a reserve roster like Nicosi Burgess is, you know, they have lots of roster flexibility. But right now, the, the bottom line is there are three open roster spots. I've got them listed on their senior roster for now. Um, and they have the one extra international spot. So they've got some room to do some things if they need to. Okay, now, Dan, you and I are going to have some fun because this is the winter, the off-season, and it's the time for speculation, time for fun. So we, before all that news happened, we decided we were going to call this the Speculation Podcast. And what we, we came up with was the idea of asking ourselves questions that people didn't ask in the Q&A. And even some things that it'll be, it'll be almost impossible to define or say why we're going to answer the questions the way we are, other than it's our gut instinct or opinion or fun 
And we've got a list of about 20 something questions we're going to go through. And I think it's going to be fun. At least I hope it's going to be fun. And it oh, uh, sounds scary. I know it does, but I think it'll be good. I do. Cause I think, I think some of these are going to be interesting to see what you and I come up with as answers because uh, some of them are basically far-fetched uh, ideas, you know, or, or long range concepts uh, and we'll have a little fun with it. So without further ado, Dan, here's the first question. And this one is a doozy. <laughs> Who will be the left wing starter on opening day 2021 for FC Dallas? Uh, um, well, well, you've got about as much chance as anyone. Um, I'm not going to say Khalil Elmadkar. Uh, we know Paxton's probably not going to be fit. Well, actually, we don't know when the league's going to start, so maybe he will be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to venture, I guess, that maybe Jesus, he seems to be the uh, the utility guy. Um you know, with those roles, I would like to see them veer away from from moving Ryan around too much. It uh, kind of ruins the defensive harmony of this team. Well, strangely enough, Dan, I actually have the exact same answer, which is opening day 2021, Jesus Ferreira will be the starter for the same reason that you just said. Uh, Khalil... Um, will not be in the mix at that point. He'll still be looking at, he'll be looking at a season of North Texas more than likely Paxson. I don't think will be ready to go opening day. Um, if they've got some, now we do think that left wing or nine are where they could be using a DP money. So if that happens, that changes everything, you know, and maybe we'll revisit this if that does happen. But for right now, I'm sticking with you. I'm sticking with Jesus Ferreira because I think they're going to do a nine as a DP. So I got Jesus as the left wing on opening day. Do, do we win anything when we guess the same? Uh, no, we win um, the respect and admiration of an, of like-minded soccerness. How about that? So no one at the club. No, this, yeah, okay. no, no money. <laughs> I'll buy you a soda. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got one for you then in that case. And it's, uh, let's flip it over and, and try your uh, pronunciations. Who'll start a right wing on opening day? Darth Jader is the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, w- I would have said that uh, Hader's uh, O'Brien would have been the starter um, opening day, even before they got rid of Barrios. But now they got rid of Barrios. I think it'll be Darth Jader, as I like to call him, um, mainly because there's not a lot of other options. Like right now, Dante Seeley for me is not ready for to be a starter in MLS. Um, you could put Pepe over there, but you know I think they're going to want to go into the season with Pepe pushing hard, hard at the nine. So um, I think you, when you sign a guy to come in on an international contract, that, that there's a reason why you do, and it's and the production on the right wing was bad last year, and that guy's a goal scoring wing. So um, goal scoring wings is something Dallas needed. So I'm sticking with Darth Hader. I'm right there with you. Um... Yeah, you know, I couldn't imagine Jesus on the left and Pepe on the right. It would be such a narrow three, uh, you know, unless that's kind of what they're going for, or or or, or a two striker system, or a faux two striker system, or something. But yeah, if if you want an out and out right wing, it seems like Hadera Bryan's going to be the best bet there. All right, the next big what if question, Dan: Who is your right back starter on opening day? Uh, the one, that, probably the one that we keep saying, but it still surprises people. I'm going to go with uh, Emma Tomasi. I liked what I saw of him playing there in, in practice a few times. 
Um, you know, he had the the Sevilla back to back. I think he did it against Cholos as well, maybe. Um, you know, in that same day that Lucci was like, let's see if Brian Reynolds can play left back too. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but you know, Emma looked like. Looked like, looked like he could do it. It's not something that was on five minutes thought. They've been, you know, thinking about it, and and especially when you want to have Ryan on the left side, kind of as a more attacking fullback. You know, you want maybe a, an equally balanced attacking fullback, which would be to Marcy probably a little more than Minjoma, uh, particularly when Minjoma's only had what four professional appearances with North Texas SC. Yeah, I, I'm. I, you're going to be surprised at my answer. I agree that Eddie Munjoma is not ready; that he's only had a couple of games. And I, I also agree. I also agree that Emma Tuomasi will, over the course of the season, be the guy at right back. But opening day, Lucci is going to Lucci, and Brisson will be your right back starter opening day. Dare you? I know. I know. Lucci's going to puss out. Brisson's going to call me out on Twitter for that. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Lucci defensively is much more conservative than he is offensively. Offensively, he'll throw kids out. He'll do crazy stuff. Defensively, he's not like that. So even though I think the long-term answer of 2021 is Emma to opening day, it's going to be Brisson. That's my thing. Sorry. In that case, you've probably just answered my next question to you, which is uh, who's going to start at left center back on opening day? Yeah, that one's a no-brainer for me. That's Martinez. Uh, you don't sign a guy like that if he's not going to be the guy right away. Um, I think that they'll, in fact, they'll just bring him in the first day he shows up and install him next to Matt Hedges and basically leave him there. You know, you're going to want to see those two guys start together pretty much every game in the spring because you're going to want to get them, have them get on the same page and get the cohesiveness down. The only only way it's not Martinez is uh, is if something goes wrong in terms of like an injury or. He turns out to just be horrific, which I don't see that happening. I think that, you know, based on what I've seen, he looks plenty good enough. Ryan on the outside will be there to help as well. So um, you might see them play a little more conservatively at the beginning of the season, but I think it's definitely going to be the new center back Martinez. Yeah, I kind of feel like you don't, you know, start half of the games for a team that finishes seventh in La Liga and and not kind of walk into most MLS teams. Uh, even if, uh, for whatever reason, uh, Ibar didn't work out for him. Yeah, sometimes coaches can just be, you know, that, that he may have fallen out with the coach for some reason. So, Okay, Dan, here's the next question, and this is one of my favorites. Who is the next player to be sold not named Brian Reynolds? Who you got? Sounds like one of those weird Ryan Reynolds movie line jokes. <laughs> uh-huh. Hmm. Um. You know, if if Tanner has another season like he's had, he's gonna be one of the guys that uh, a lot of European teams are gonna be looking at. Looking at that six-three powerhouse with pace who can play off both feet. Good. Smooth passing, solid, uh, solid tackling can drop bombs from anyways. You know, kind of that that very moldable type of player that that a lot of people crave. I think that's a good shout, but my answer is going to be Dante Sealy. 
I think Dante will not be here very much longer. He's always had his eyes on Europe. He's gone on multiple training stint tryouts. He turns 18 in April. I would not be surprised if Dante Sealy is not on this team uh, in 2021. He's not around anymore. I think there's a good chance he's gone. You know, he's a kid with a lot of ambition. There's a kid that wants to be playing a lot more than he is. He's a kid that, you know, wanted to go way before this, but can't because he's got to wait till he's 18. So that 18th birthday in April is the magic date. That's what I think. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, definitely a, a solid point. And uh, I've got a really, I guess I'd kind of forgotten a little bit about. Yeah, he does have that TNT passport, you know, and uh, a guy that, you know, got some minutes last year, but isn't really like, he's not, he's not across the gap. He's not to the point where he's a key piece of the 18 week to week to week where you can count him to start and count him in crunch time, real crunch time minutes, not garbage minutes. So I think he's the guy that's out. Definitely. Okay, so we're going off of uh, people not named right now. So, yeah. hmm, who will be the next FC Dallas player loaned out that is not named Thomas Roberts? Yeah, now, the reason we said not named Thomas Roberts is because you know, Dan, that he's been out looking for a loan on his own, trying to arrange something. And a lot of people don't know this. It's public. I think I've, some people have asked me about it, but it's not commonly known that Byron wanted him on loan last year and FC Dallas blocked it. Um, they turned that loan down uh, because he was going to be part of the plans. And then of course he didn't play a single minute. So um, good on Thomas to have taken it upon himself and, and done some outside training and try and facilitate something for himself. So other than him, I think the next person on loan is going to be Brandon Cervania. And I say Brandon Cervania because, as you mentioned, Tanner Tessman is playing ahead of him, has moved ahead of him. And Brandon, obviously, I think that's true of, with Tanner of the U.S. and FC Dallas. And then Tanner, uh, Brandon, excuse me, considered the Puerto Rico call-up. Now, he didn't do it but he because he was going to Byron instead. But um, I think that exposure and I think the fact he's considering his national options means that he's considering things. And I think that Brandon Cervania, because he's fallen down the chart, will look to go play somewhere uh, next year other than here. So do you think that's a, a move down for playing time or maybe a move just to get away and, and find uh, new opportunities? I think it's for playing time, but I also think it's to get a fresh start. You know, when, when a guy passes you up, you know, and you've maybe had a suffer, uh, you know, a form, uh, suffrage in form and, and mentality that maybe you're just looking to freshen it up a little bit and try something different. Um, I don't think it'll be USLC. I think it'll be something more like, you know, lower tier Europe or maybe like a U23 team Europe kind of situation. Um, rather than like a USLC type situation. Cause he did that once and I don't think I want to do it again. So that's my, that's my take on Brandon. That's fine. Who do you got on that question? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of thinking depending on what they do, if they do bring in an, um, an additional center back as cover, you know, getting Nikosi Burgess alone for some good playing time in a better standard than USL league one would be very beneficial. Um, you know, I'm actually writing about that right now, so check back in like four months, and I'll probably will have finished that article. <laughs> yeah, um, you gotta do the Brexit one first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm actually doing both at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think 
that, that's kind of one I could see coming. I know you're speaking to him that, you know, speaking to uh, Eric Quill, he was talking about that. That's always a possibility of not having him down the whole season and, and maybe moving him out. But yeah, uh, I think Sylvania sounds like a great shout, great reasoning for it. Yeah, Bridges certainly needs to play, whether it's, you know, a full season at North Texas or a full season somewhere else. Uh, as, he's a viable choice. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I like Sylvania. All right, I think it's my turn again. Uh, what is Dan, what is FC Dallas's position of finish in the 2021 MLS standings? Oh, wow. That's, uh, I mean, it's one thing asking during the preseason when we know how crap other teams are, but wow. Um, <laughs> That's why this is fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they kind of uh, should really be around the same area, hunting that in the hunt for a home playoff game, it would be uh, good if they got it, but we don't even know when the season's going to begin, how long it's going to last, if there's going to be a crazy tournament again, because NWSL were like, hey, we want to do the bubble again, cool. Um, mm, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I, I could, uh, you know, uh, it, I'm sorry it's so vague, but they should at least be chasing a home playoff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got the same sort of number, like a, a, a step better, like fourth, fifth. I don't think they're mm-hmm. top three in the West. I think they're in that fourth, fifth window right now. Now, if they do something crazy with the DP, maybe we'll change our minds. But right now, it looks like, you know, the same stable defense will be back. You know, can they take a step forward on offensively and then get, you know, four, get up to fourth? I think that's, I think that's the target. And I think that's kind of where they're going to be in that mix. That's what I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So, okay. So if they're taking a step forward, it means they've got to score some goals. So who will be FC Dallas's leading scorer in 2021? You're going to think I'm crazy. Oh, you're going to say Hara? No. Oh. I'm actually not. I'm going to say, and this is my biggest batshit crazy answer of the whole show. I'm going to say Ricardo Pepe. I think Ricardo Pepe is going to have a good year. Now, the problem with this is that Ricardo Pepe is going to do it and it's not going to be as many goals as you would like. It's only going to be, it's going to be like, Hey Susie, a year ago, it's going mm-hmm. to be like nine goals. And that's going to be, cause I think horror is not going to be good enough. So I think, I think Pepe ends up having to start like half of the games and ends up with like, you know, in the neighborhood of nine goals, maybe eight, something like that, which it's hard to reconcile with them getting it up and pressing to get fourth, but I think this will be one of those years where a whole bunch of mids and wings all score a couple of goals each, and that sort of balances out and makes things a little better. And I don't see Hara getting over 10, and I think Pepe's going to actually pimp him for the scoring lead. I know, that's crazy talk, I know. No, no, I, I could see them finishing, I mean... Within a goal or two of each other. Uh, yeah, it'll be close. Hara is obviously going to have penalties. Um, but, yeah, and, and he may well come good. You know, a lot of people struggling that first half season, uh, although he's had more than that right now. Um, the PKs will be the thing that, if he gets a lot of PKs, that'll be the thing that could push him over 10. You know, if, yeah. if he tacks on six PKs, that'll make a big difference for Hara. Um, but, like I said, I just don't see it happening overall yeah it's it's kind of hard because obviously you know it's so subjective uh watching a guy come into mls and and how well they can do obviously you know we watched we watched cobra struggle to the point where the coaches were like 
this guy's not MLS quality, um, and then managed to turn it around. Uh, Cobra's attitude was was certainly more of a leader type than what we see from Hara. We haven't, you know, obviously now we don't have Locker or Maxis, so we don't really get as good a gauge on, you know, who the little groups are in the locker rooms and, and who's kind of leading things in there. But it it doesn't seem necessarily like he's endearing himself to the levels that, that Cobra was, even when he was just on the bench. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, Dan, here's the next question. Uh, who will FC Dallas's breakout player of 2021 be? You can define breakout however you like. Go ahead. Oh, breakout, breakout. I'm going to have to say... Uh, I'm going to have to say O'Brien. Um, just as, as a new player, breakout in the sense of a new player coming in, not like a, sure. you know, a young player progressing to the next step. Just as a guy who... Maybe defenders in the league don't know much about, and he can, you know, maybe get in behind fullbacks and, and do th- do the things that maybe wingers in the past haven't done. Uh, you know, Barrios was very much a get to the end line and hit the ball low and hard. Uh, Castillo was very much a cut inside and try and get the shot away. You know, you know, it's possible that he could get in behind behind fullback, cause some mistakes, win some penalties, and, and just create havoc. I'm going to stick with um, a guy I've talked a lot about this winter, and that's Emma Tuomasi as my breakout player, despite the fact I said he won't start opening day. Um, a lot of people don't know that Emma Tuomasi led the bold in chances created last year. Now, he didn't get a lot of assists, but uh, that's probably because they don't have great strikers. So I, I think when you take that capacity uh, and then his work rate and energy and his ability to get up and down. If, if the right back conversion goes like I think it's going to, and I'm really optimistic about it, and it does actually happen, I think he should break out player with, uh, you know, he won't be as good as Brian Reynolds, but he'll definitely be of an interesting value down that wing. You know, effectively, you'll be looking at a Ryan Hollingshead match because Ryan Hollingshead, of course, is a converted winger too. So uh, I think it provides a lot of balance, and I think that he'll be the breakout player of 2021. Yeah, we're talking about a lot of short-term goals here, but let's go long-term. Will FC Dallas win MLS Cup this decade? No, they won't. And I I know that's awful, uh, but the reason they won't is because the Hunts uh, will not, based on all evidence of their actions, they will not make the next level roster investment that you apparently now need to challenge at the top of MLS. They're trying to do it um, on a bargain system. Now, because of the Academy, their roster has a lot of really great balance and they have, they don't have a lot of holes and they have a lot of good depth because the homegrown system from the Academy keeps their roster stocked. And that's why they're almost always in the playoffs, but unless they get, difference makers that are capable of winning big games in the playoffs. Jordan Morris's Diego Valeri, you know, you got to have those kinds of big time difference makers. You know, your Joseph Martinez is your, there's a new tier of talent in the teams in this league. And I think it's only going to get more. So, you know, Dallas, I, I think is struggling in terms of cash flow because of the COVID. The hunts are going to be less likely to go spin big. They're going to be more likely, I think, to be conservative and try and make money with their academy. 
all of which means that they won't hold on to the academy, the best academy guys. They'll sell them. And I think that's why you're, you're not going to win MLS Cup in a decade. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, certainly, you know, when we talk about, and it's not necessarily a criticism of the way the roster's built. The roster is built to perform in the regular season. Um, exactly. And if this was like most leagues where the top team at the end of the regular season is the champion, FC Dallas would, well, you know, ha- have at least one championship by now. Um, and really should have been a couple. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's those difference makers. And it's the same thing we talked about at the end of the playoffs. Um, you know, FC Dallas will go out and spend two million on a player, a million and a half on another, a million on another. You know they'll, they'll rack up. You know they may rack up five million in spending over uh, an off season in a good year, and that's great. But they're kind of chancing guys. They're going qu- uh, quantity, not quality. When you could plug in six million for a Nico Ladero, three million for a, uh, a Diego Valeri, those game changers. That when it comes to the playoffs, they're the guys that. That and those uh, MLS Cup MVP honors, even if they don't necessarily win the overall MLS MVP. Yeah, I agree completely. All right, next question, Dan. Uh, where will FC Dallas finish in the U.S. Open Cup in 2021? Ooh, tough one. Um, I could I could see them getting to a semifinal. Um, I think the way they lost to uh, New Mexico in 2019 definitely hurt them um you know they're probably not gonna be an mls cup winner it's something that the hunts obviously want to prioritize having lamar hunt's name on it so i could definitely see him keeping that full team out and uh, especially now uh, kansas city aren't the kansas city that were winning 6-3 and 4-1 every every season in the fourth uh, in the fifth round you know and yeah I, I think they could do pretty well yeah i'm with you i have them getting to the semifinal i think um it, it, mainly because as you say that the hunts do like to put a priority on it the organization puts a priority on it there's a couple of good usl teams around here but they're not top tier usl teams that you can beat if you run out your close to your full team the san antonio might be the toughest but i don't think you would get them you're going to get okc or tulsa uh, it's also did have a nice signing today, but um, I still think that you can get to the semi. I agree with that. All right, your turn. Ooh, okay, let's go for how many starts does Paxton Pomacol make in 2021? Yeah, this is also an answer people aren't going to like. <laughs> uh, less than 15. Uh, it'll be more than 10, but it'll be less than 15. I think Paxton is hurt worse than he's letting on. I think he, even though the season being delayed some and his discussion that he'll be ready to compete in April, I think ready to compete is not the same as being healthy and fit and comfortable and able to beat out um, Brian Acosta or uh, um, Andres Ricarte. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Paxton's starts in 2021 are going to come later in the year on the wing or when Acosta gets called up and, and Paxson doesn't. So I have between 10 to 15 starts, you know, 12, 13 ish, probably. Yeah, I, I could 
see that. Um, you know, he likened it to an ACL recovery, that whole, you know, you come back and then the first season's kind of a write-off. This is, a, this is probably a write-off season for him. Uh, 2022's the real focus. Uh, you can look at similarly Mauro Diaz with his uh, Achilles came back first, you know, and and th- no one is is great that first season, um, you know, unless you're like a an Adrian Peterson type of uh, absolute freak um, to to borrow from another sport. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Somebody like that sort of. 12, 13 is probably the over-under. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Paxton's a hard worker, but he's not quite the insane, you know, physical specimen kind of athlete that, that like you mentioned, AP is. Um, but that doesn't mean he doesn't work hard. He works his tail he's, off. That's different. He's also in a position group where they don't have to risk him if they if it's not worth it. Yeah, you know, if, totally. If he, was, if he was the 10 in a team that lacked any creativity, yeah, he's probably... He's probably hobbling around for 20 starts trying to get his, his touch back and his fitness back and everything else. But you've got Ricarte, you've got Jesus, you've got uh, Pepe could take a step back if need be. You've, you've got uh, Tanner can play up if, if need be. You've got so many players that can fill in all of these spots yeah. that, that Paxton can play that there's just no point in, in risking his, his career for the sake of dragging him back a, a few weeks early. Yeah, I think that's an important note that I, I agree with you. Well, I think I heard you there was that the club and Paxton too should be careful with his return and not push it because they do have to think about the long-term career here. Um, and I agree that how much he plays might also be dictated a little bit by how good other players are playing. You know, if there are guys that are making great runs in the team, there's no reason to just stick Paxton in there because you'd like to. You know, it's like it's going to it's important to think about his t- 10-year career he's got left, you know, not how many, you know, I get him a couple more starts next year. You know, it's just not important. All right. Now, uh, I love how this worked out. I get to put you on the spot, Dan. Who will be the next homegrown signing for FC Dallas? Uh, we we were going to tee up that Khalil Elmed Carr could be it, but uh, he obviously is now officially signed, so it has to be somebody else. Who's your next homegrown signing? Uh, nuts. Um, I know, making you go first. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The next name on, on my mind is uh, Matthew Corcoran, and he's a few years off. They're not going to wait that long. Yeah, the Corcoran's a good shout, but he's this coming up season will be his first in the 17s. Like, he's still a U15 right now. Yeah. So, I, you know, another year probably for him before you. Maybe, maybe uh, Antonio Carrera. Um, a goalkeeper is kind of coming in order. Seth Wilson's obviously uh, wants to, you know, wants to keep looking at Europe. Ben Hales declared for the draft, so you know, Carrera may be the next one. I'm gonna go with Diego Hernandez, who's the uh, was the U17 last year. They played one minute for North Texas SC, and the reason he got that minute is because he was showing really well in training. Um, and the fact that he plays with North Texas and trains with North Texas and, and I think is indicative of where they think he is in the talent level. So I have him ahead of uh, Corcoran in terms of – so I think depending on how the first half of the season goes with North Texas Soccer Club and how much he's playing, that he could be the next homegrown signing in the latter half of 2021. You know, like they usually do for the next, 
it wouldn't he wouldn't come out of the roster until 2022 but i think that's likely to be the next one uh since we're talking development will a true north texas sc signing ever make the leap to fc dallas and if yes who will it be well, the answer is absolutely yes, somebody will. And what we mean by true homegrown, uh, sorry, North Texas signing is not a homegrown. What we mean is a player, and not like Ricardo Pepe, where we knew he was going to be a homegrown. Uh, it was just a, almost a publicity stunt, if you will. So Can what we I mean. Can I add a caveat to this? Yeah, go ahead. Does Nicky Hernandez count? Yeah, because that's my guy. Well, first off, the answer <laughs> is will it happen? The answer is yes, it will happen because eventually there will be a late bloomer that North Texas will sign that within a year or two of North Texas will make a leap, a progression leap, you know, as an 18, 19 year old, like Tanner did, you know, if they just signed Tanner to a North Texas deal or whatever, because Tanner at 18 made a leap, right? So somebody eventually will make a leap that they've signed in North Texas, somebody that's a fringe guy. And I actually think the answer, if it weren't for the fact that Dallas was absolutely stacked at eights, I think Nicky Hernandez would have done it this winter. But I think that they're, I think Nikki is one more season at North Texas away from actually signing with FC Dallas. I do think that he has what it takes to be an MLS pro. And I think that over the next year, somebody in that midfield will move on, whether it's going to be Brandon on a loan, whether it's going to be Jesus being, going somewhere, whether it's Edwin Surreal going on a loan, somebody, there'll be some movement. Tanner gets sold. There'll be an open position, and Nikki will be ready to go um, in terms of playing time. Now, of course, that's also the same position as Diego Hernandez, who I just mentioned. So we'll see how it goes. But I think Nikki Hernandez is the most likely. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to throw that caveat in. I wasn't, you know. But, yeah, uh, especially with late bloomers, uh, mentioning uh, Tanner Tessman is, uh, is a perfect example. I mean, he was really... You know, um, if he he was Clemson away from from really taking that route. Yeah, yeah, he would have. It was close. I mean, Lucci told the story of if Brian Acosta hadn't been hurt and they hadn't needed a body in spring training, then Tanner was going to Clemson. Tanner wasn't going to be signed. You know, it was only when he came into training camp and impressed in the FC Dallas spring camp that they were like, we got to sign this guy. You know, uh, although that raises questions for me about how they didn't know that. I mean, I, I watched Tanner all last year in the academy and thought he was ready for a homegrown deal. I, I'm not sure <laughs> what they were looking at. Yeah, I think from when he won the uh, player of the, the Central Conference player of the year, it was kind of, he, yeah. he should have at least been on the radar. Turn him an MVP, you know, like, I don't know what you're paying attention to. Um, all right, so I think it's my turn again. So uh, another tricky one for Dan. Who's the next academy player that will sign for North Texas? Which is uh, which means, of course, not a homegrown, but a straight to North Texas signing. Oh, you give me all the ones that you know. I know, uh, I know. That's terrible. why it's fun to give it to you first. <laughs> it just worked out this way. It wasn't a plan. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So I was uh, just uh, <laughs> just going to see who's actually in the 19th right now on the FC Dallas website, and notice that they completely copied my uh, NWSL draft story. Oh, yeah, yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's nice that they're paying attention. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm so out of practice with the 19s, unfortunately, without being able to see him play this last year. Well, I'm going to throw in uh, Antonio Carrera then. I'm going to steal your hypothetical homegrown because okay. I agree with you that keeper's a spot where they could use a guy. 
because they've you know they don't, don't have any keepers there right now. And and I think Antonio is definitely an MLS caliber or higher keeper in the future. But you know, 16, 17, 18 is not a good time for keepers. So I don't think he'll get a homegrown. I think they'll try and sign him to North Texas with sort of a stipulation that down the line you're going to get a homegrown deal when you're more like 20, you know. Like mm. like um, uh, Carlos Avales, except that I think Antonio is a considerably higher grade of keeper than that. Okay. Uh, I think looking at uh, ages, I'm going to go for potentially Cesar Garcia, assuming that Benny Redzik turns down the idea of North Texas SC. Yeah, Cesar's uh, took a gap year. He was supposed to be an SMU player. Uh, and with all the COVID stuff, he stayed and was playing for North Texas. So that's a good shout, actually, too. I, he's For me, he's a borderline, you know, like I don't think he's quite homegrown potential, but I think he's got something, too. So that's a good shout. I like it. Good one. I think it's your turn. Yeah. And, and do you think that uh, – do you think Redzik's done after the next season? Uh, I th- Redzik is actually not with the 19s anymore. Um, no. Oh. He – uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Now, Benny Redzik, let's talk about this. is a good time to talk about Benny Redzik. Benny is has his entire career been talking about, I'm going to Europe, I'm going to Europe, I'm going to Europe. You know, he's got that Bosnian passport, you know, which gives him some flexibility. I don't think that's an EU country, though. So I don't that's think that, not, no. yeah, that doesn't help you with the EU part. But um, I, I think that I don't think Benny projects to Major League Soccer. And I think that the coaches know that. He's a little bit of a tough coach uh situation because as you, you you watch him play and you you can see it when he plays sometimes it's like i'm going and it's like head down and i'm going and it's like black hole in the field the ball goes in doesn't always come out doesn't always make the pass that he needs to make um you know is super creative with the ball but mls is a vertical quick league i don't think he has the burst necessary for to be an mls player now can he be a successful pro Totally, tons of tons of ability, um, and the fact that he's no longer with the 19s. Now it could be that he considers himself to be completely with North Texas, and he's just going to show up again for North Texas. That's possible. I don't know if that's the case, but I know he's not playing with the 19s, and I'm pretty sure that he's not part of the plans to be signed um, to a pro contract. So that's the Benny situation, to the best of my knowledge. All right, where were we? Well then. Uh, I'm asking you the question next, and it is, will North Texas see last or even evolve into a better pathway? Oh, wow. This is a tough one. Um, with that, if it hadn't been for COVID, I would have said, yeah, it'll last. But um, I'm now worried about that for two reasons. One, the attendance in Arlington was basically the same as it was in Frisco. That was a bad sign mm. um, in terms of what you're paying for that venue. You know, I mean, I don't know what the deal is. I have no idea, but it's not free, you know, <laughs> and you got a hundred bodies in the stands. That's not good. Um, now, the the other side of the coin is that the U23 league is it seems to be on its way for MLS. There's a lot of people have talked about it. Even teams have talked about it. You know, um, now I know that there's a conflicting um, uh, opinions inside FC Dallas on this. I know that a lot of the football guys, the coaching guys, want USL 1 to stay, North Texas to stay, because uh, USL 1 will be much, much better for development than a U23 league will be. Getting kicked in the balls by a 30-year-old dude fighting for his career 
is totally different than playing against a bunch of U23s, half of whom stink. I mean, we already have this problem with the academy that Dallas rolls over most everybody they play in the academy when they play their full team. You know, they already send half their academy to North Texas, and that'll be true of a U23 league too. It's like they don't, they don't want to play those guys in that league. They want to play them against grown-ass men. You know, that's how you put people in uncomfortable situations. Look at Justin Shea's progression this last year. So, um, but then again, there's the there's the cost. You know, how much of the hunts sinking into that team? We really don't know. Are they going to be willing to float the cost of a U23 team and uh, North Texas and USL one? If there's more USL one teams closer to help reduce the cost, that'll go a long way, I think, to helping. So I definitely think it's up in the air whether the thing lasts. And the answer to will it be a better pathway is I think it will be if they can ever get it to where it starts to make a little bit more of a balanced checkbook in terms of its revenue versus expenses, then I think that there'll be a chance that they can sign a few more of these mid-tier guys that are passing up these deals right now. Your Nico Carreras, your Jonathan Gomez is they need, they even Tanner, when Tanner was going to go to Clemson, right? Like those guys, you need to figure out how to get them money. That's better than college. It doesn't have to be MLS money, but it has to be better than college scholarship money. Um, if you can make that happen, then, and I think that will happen eventually, then I think it's a better pathway. I didn't leave you a lot to chew on there for an answer, Dan, but it's your turn to answer that. No, I think uh, I think that's a, a great point. Um, you know, we know that Arlington was to create the team's own crowd and 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 generate something, but it just it, it just didn't isn't really there. Um, I, I got to be honest. I, I think when you, I like the idea. Uh, you know, it's it's the one major city in the Metroplex that doesn't have. Uh, I mean, when I say major, I'm still I'm only really talking about Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, and Denton. Uh, that doesn't have a, a a team of its own. But I, I mean, even on the youth side, there's not really a lot in uh, in Arlington. So it doesn't really seem like it's a massive catchment for soccer fans, anyway. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't attempt people maybe from Fort Worth, but that's kind of a waste of time. Yeah, I think. A venue situation needs to be better. Certainly, like a 5,000-seater stadium is the right amount. Somewhere in the western half, Fort Worth-ish, you know. Uh, of course, there's some other teams over there. They're going to fight like crazy to, to keep you out. But um, I think that's the way it needs to go. All right, next question, Dan. For, this is my turn to ask. Um, who is the most likely current FC Dallas player to be traded? Oh. Oh, that's not Barrios anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Brian Acosta. Uh, if he can if he can stay fit, uh, if he has a good year with, uh, with the potential for Gold Cup and World Cup qualifiers coming up, he could be a pretty attractive proposition. Uh, at a position they have lots of talent too yeah yeah yeah. and and as a guy who uh you know houston likes to ride the the hondurans and and try and build the fans that way dallas has never really uh taken advantage of of the honduran element here so you know i could see like a maybe an austin or or a houston coming in for him 
if he does well. Yeah, I, he was high on my list for potential uh, trade. Uh, I even suggested they should trade him in, the, in my offseason bit. Well, we both wanted him to be gone. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so my most tradable asset is Johnny Nelson. Oh, yeah, good one. Yeah, because Johnny Nelson is ready to be a starter in MLS, particularly if you play on a team that is, uses a more defensive-oriented Outside back, you know, one that maybe plays wide mids, like a four four two, for example, you know, or just uses more of a stay-at-home kind of defender and not like an attacking wide defender, then he's MLS starter ready as a defender. Um, he's 22. He's probably getting to the point where he's wanting to play. Um, Ryan Holland said he's 29, so he still has a couple of years left. So there's a diminishing return on Johnny Nelson in terms of um, how long is he going to want to sit around as a backup to – uh, Ryan Hollingshead. So I think Johnny Nelson is the most tradable player on the team. I'm starting to think I should have prepared and put a list together. <laughs> Did you not? <laughs> no. Just winging it? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, your turn. Okay. What will, and this is the kit nerd talk that gets that drives the uh, listens and views up. Mm, yes. What will the 2021 FC Dallas secondary kit look like okay i'm going to predict um something that i designed a couple of years ago not that i'm a designer i don't mean it that way i just mean something that like i've thought for a couple of years is a good idea um and that's a play on the germany kit from well what year is that it, it, it looks a lot like the old fc dallas burn not burn fc dallas kits the old burn kits that are basically white with this pinstripe style uh, hoop, um, you know, Dallas has kind of gone a little bit back towards the hoop with the last home jersey. So, like a white with that thin pinstripey, uh, dark blue or navy, essentially pinstripe that looks like that old Germany kit. I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about. That's my prediction for the new away kit. Yeah, I, I think you mean the the one before last. I don't, um, I don't know the exact number for how many kits back it was for Germany. It's an old okay. Germany kit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think uh, 2018 uh, is the one you're talking about. Um, so one thing I've seen, um, LAFC are rumored to be getting a linen-colored jersey. Someone else is rumored to be getting like a, a pink jersey. You know, they're, they're kind of, they seem to be moving away from the white, is what I'm getting at. Um, so I'm going to say that FC Dallas, in a bizarre twist... Goes for a a pale green. No, no, Austin can't do that. Can't do that uh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm, that's tough. I'm gonna say like a. Well, how about yellow? Like yellow rose of Texas. Oh, that that would be, yeah, that could be a good one. Um, yeah, it, it seems like everything's gonna be like kind of light pastel colors. Uh, yeah. All right, but enough kit talk for now, Dan. Let's move back to pure speculation time. Who will Dallas draft with the 15th pick next Thursday? An unnamed center, central defender. Center back? You going with center back? Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because a couple of the guys that declared for the draft, uh, you know, thinking Salas, Terwigi, you know, they, they had a couple of defensive options in there, but evidently uh, that they could have signed to a homegrown deal if if they rated them high enough, but they obviously haven't. I think you know they'll do as they've done 
last year, the year before, with Matt Hedges, with uh, Walker, with everyone else, that they'll they'll take a flyer on a centre back. Yeah, that's a good shout. Brandon Turwig's the SMU kid who's draft eligible. It appears I don't know if he's actually coming out or not. He played in the Roja League. Um, center back's a good shout. I actually have a very specific position now, and, and player in mind, which might you might find a little bit surprising. I'm going to suggest that Dallas, if he, if this player falls to Dallas at 15, I'm going to say Josh Drack is who they're going to pick. Now, if you don't know who that is, Josh Drack is a left back who plays for the University of Defender of Denver. Now, the reason I'm saying him is a couple of reasons. One, he's originally attacking player that's converted to right left back. Again, that's a Dallas specialty, right? Their offense is predicated on that. I did just tell you that I think Johnny Nelson is the most tradable asset on the team. But more specifically, Josh Drack played at Grand Canyon before he went to Denver. That means that Shellis knows about him and Shellis talks to Lucci. So I think Josh Drack attacking left back is the shout at 15 if he falls that far. The real answer, of course, Dan, is best player available. No, they have no idea who's going to follow them at 15. That's right about where they took Nikosi Burgess last year. They'll probably have some kind of outside-the-box guy that most of us are going to be surprised by. You know, They'll go for whatever they can come up with. It's the best. Maybe right back. That's a position of question. I'm with you. Center back depth would be great. And I'm throwing Josh Drack, left back, his name in there. I, uh, I also would definitely draft a, a left back from the University of Defenders. Yeah. Which one is that, Denver? <laughs> or That's Grand what you Canada? said. You started to say University of Defenders and then corrected yourself to Denver. Oh, did I? <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I was saying. I just fumbled uh, my words. You know, or- even, uh, even, even if a half-decent uh, two-way striker fell down. Yeah. You know, after what we saw with Cal Jennings, if his defensive game was just there. Yeah, I did think about uh, Danny Trejo, who's the Cal State Northridge kind of forward wing he might be a good good shout i don't i don't know I, I don't see an eight or a central mid being on the charts i'm with you maybe a maybe depth at wing or striker would, wouldn't hurt either and certainly right back center back shout goalkeeper maybe goalkeepers in the cards you know if if they're not super happy with the age of uh um zobeck you know being 30 ish or whatever he is you know maybe that could be in the cards i don't think so though what will FC Dallas's average attendance be in 2021? Oh, uh, what what number is brutal? What, where, where does that fall? Uh, 2021. That like, yeah, is that like 5,000 or less? Um, it, it depends whether you think there's going to be the same COVID restriction, a harder COVID restriction, yeah. or none. Uh, well, here's the deal. I think it's going to be awful. I mean, I think it's going to be near the worst attendance in this franchise's history, short of Southlake. And it's not necessarily their fault. Now, some of that is going to be the season's going to start, I think, with some COVID restrictions in place still. Even when they start to loosen it up, a segment of their fan base will not be wanting to risk it yet. You know, if they don't have their vaccines or if they don't trust them, or they're just they've just decided we're going to stay home and watch on TV more not you know people were pretty happy with that environment that kind of is a thing now or across the board people just do stuff less i also think uh, across the board dallas with their black lives matter stuff and i don't i'm not going to get into the politics of it but 
There were people that were mad about the protests in the first place and have declined season tickets and sponsors have pulled out. And then there were people that were mad with the whole Reggie needs to apologize angle. So on both sides of that discussion, there are people that are mad who don't want to come back now. So they've lost people from, from both sides of that discussion. And when you just combine that with the overall um, state of the team in terms of Hara not coming through, selling Michael Barrios, uh, right now their signings are just kind of like who? The guy's off the reclamation pile, just like middle of nothing. There's no like pizzazz. There's no fire. I think that you're looking at, you know, they'll probably announce attendances around 10K, but there's going to be 5,000 or less people in the stands. I think it's going to be absolutely brutally bad attendance. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, even looking at last season, they had the 3,000 cap. Uh, there was never 3,000 people in that stadium, not one game. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, safer being at home. There was, let's say, a lot of people who uh, just don't feel that they can be told what to do by uh, by security or anything else. There were people who were detracted uh by security's heavy-handed approach to other things, uh, I know the supporter section. You know, people weren't allowed to to chant at one point. It, it got absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, regarding Black Lives Matter and everything else, you know, people are people are becoming increasingly aware. Um, I've seen it brought up online, Clark Hunt's political donations to uh, John Cornyn and some other things. Uh, you know, people, uh, we're, we're kind of, it's almost like we're, we're in an age where people are spending, choosing to spend their dollars on things that line up more so with them and their beliefs and everything else that, um, you know, FC Dallas being a, a very... And, and not trying to politicize it in any way, you know, soccer is more of a, a a liberal pastime in a conservative county of a swingish state that, yeah, you're going to lose people on both sides heavily. And, yep. Uh, you know, I mean, we've seen it in, in supporters groups, you'll see discussions of, of people from both sides of that who are just unhappy with certain things. And, and yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we're we're definitely going to see a lot of that in in twenty twenty one, and uh, you know maybe until things uh, on the political side of things calm down. Yeah, and who knows how long that's going to take? Yeah. Uh, you know, for both sides, and then in with the COVID. You know, there's even mutations of COVID. Look, I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying that people are going to be slow to return to their old way of life. You know, they're, they're, the the medical experts are talking about us having to deal with COVID the rest of our lives. You know, with it changing and mutating and, and, you know, there'll be antiviruses and stuff. But, you know, who knows how soon we're all going to be allowed to sort of get back to normal. And then who knows how long people are going to feel comfortable and want to get back to normal. It may just be that life is just different from here on. You know, I, I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy. But when you add all that stuff up to, like, what's the attendance going to be like? Brutal. That's the answer. It's yeah. going to be horrible. And we're talking specifically about this year when... We don't know if the season's going to start on time. We don't know if it's going to be a full season. We don't know the format of the season. We don't know 
a lot of anything. It's it's speculation to go over this speculation podcast. Uh, yeah, and pe- and the leagues are, the league is bleeding money. FC Dallas is bleeding money. How much money are they going to spend on advertising and promotion and getting word out that the season's going? You can just see all this stuff adding up to a bloodbath in, in the stands in terms of and in terms of revenue for the club. You know, it's it's not a coincidence. I think Dan that that, that they did this. What I think is a terrific move by offering these minority ownership companies chant these packages, sponsorship packages. Well, the reason you can do that, right, is because you have open sponsorship packages, right? Doesn't that say to you? I mean, oh, gr- yeah, great, great politically organized way to, to make a splash with a with a positive sort of message kind of thing. Great, awesome. But it's because they were they had holes in their sponsorships, and uh, you know, money is a problem right now um, for this club. Uh, yeah. they, they're desperate for this Reynolds sale, I think, just for that reason alone. You know, they could balance their entire books with this one move. It'll be fascinating. All right, Dan, next question. Yeah. And this is actually good that this lined up this way because you were on the MLS Players Union call yesterday. How will the CBA play out? Um, MLS Commissioner Don Garber and MLS Players Association Executive Director Bob Foss will meet in a parking lot in New York City. Uh, they will play dice to see whose bid is the uh, the is the final CBA. Um, <laughs> final answer. You, uh, <laughs> um, so I, I guess for a bit of background on anyone, um, MLS uh, on the 29th of December invoked their force majeure clause. Uh, a very vague piece of text taken from the NBA's CBA, uh, which says if there is a catastrophic event that is not limited to things like terrorist attacks and that that affect an entire season, they can uh, pull the players back to the table and, and renegotiate the uh, CBA. Now, the CBA was originally negotiated in February. That was the the end of the twenty nine, uh, the one that ended in one, sorry, end of the one that ended in twenty nineteen. So they negotiated twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four. In June, MLS went cap in hand and said, "Guys, we're gonna lose a billion dollars, uh, so we need to make some changes." So MLS originally wanted to cap, um, give everyone a twenty percent pay cut, which would have been horrible, particularly for the guys that the majority of the league that make under a hundred grand. Um, the Players Association ended up conceding it a little bit. They took a 5% pay cut. They extended the deal for an extra year, which crucially is an extra year past the media deal that's going to be absolutely enormous in 2023. Um, And then they froze some of the elevated numbers. So 2020 was played by 2019's finances, not the far increased uh, totals that they were touting for for what it should have been. Those are, in theory, going to come next year. Um, by invoking the force majeure clause, and this is kind of where the argument starts, the MLS Players Association are saying, no, we intend to play by the one we negotiated in, in June, not a new one, uh, because they don't feel that there's a valid reason to call that uh, force majeure clause, because the one in June was based off of this $1 billion loss, and now Don Garber's saying, but we need to renegotiate it because there was a $1 billion loss. So, um, you know, now we're talking about 
I'll be talking about hypotheticals for next year, which nobody, or for this year, which uh, hasn't been forecast just yet. And in that as well, there is a further debate because uh, Garber used this, uh, there's this 30 day cooling off period, which is kind of just to stop the league going on strike or getting locked out or something crazy from happening as a knee-jerk reaction they said hey you need to you need to uh, come back to our initial offer at the end of this and have it all negotiated and the players association were like absolutely not that's not the case they're kind of trying to negotiate through the press which is why i was on that call yesterday it's a weird situation and and in effect what the league is proposing is that they extend that deal for another two years so they are the cba would effectively be an entire cba away from the media deal which should see the players get paid uh, massively but not now they would freeze what was originally supposed to be 2020's finances to 2022 which the players association is equating to like a massive pay cut and then on the back end the final year would be increased by like five percent all wide and when i say these like increased finances that's not just to play a salary that's um you know that's bonuses that's uh what the salary cap is what the dp threshold is that's all these things that make mls the quality you know growing quality as you attract better players that command that money yeah i my take on how this all is going to work out is that this two-year extension that that league wanted i think the players are going to push back hard on that because Mm -hmm. i think they the players are going to realize that that next big huge deal is going to be like the make or break basically for money If, if it happens it's going to push this league up into the next stratosphere so they're not going to want to extend further than the one year that they already gave with that. But so on the other hand, I think that at some point the owners will bring enough numbers to the table to show how bad 2021 is going to be. And the players will realize there has to be a trade-off. I think they'll give up something in 2021 to not have to extend more time past the end of the deal already, right? Because that basically the owners are asking for, okay, we'll we'll pay you the normal in 2021, but then you're going to give us something on the back end. I think the players will realize we really have to have that back end because it's going to be huge. We'll give up something in 2021. I think that's how it settles out. So the way I see it going is um, time actually favors the players. Um, they've been prepped for the idea of a work stop for two years. Um, you know, the idea of guys who aren't necessarily making Frank O'Hara money should be storing money away for a rainy day. Um, now, one thing that Bob Foss said on the call is MLS want this done sooner rather than later because the longer this goes on and the quote-unquote better things get, more people get vaccinated, the looser restrictions get, the less terrible a situation that looks for MLS to justify the force majeure clause um, I'm not saying it's going to be rosy but it's going to be you know if uh, if it drags on and it gets to a point where they go to court and say hey there's the, do you see a, a reason they could invoke that you know MLS's position in court suddenly gets weaker and weaker and weaker 
Um, you know, and the other thing they've got going for them is, uh, you know, they talk about the, the league and the teams. Um, I think the Players Association is going to point to the ownership. Um, you know, we know that the league ownership is made up of a bunch of multimillionaires and billionaires, and those are people whose wealth has increased during this pandemic, and the rest of us, it hasn't. Um, uh, so I just, I just feel like the longer it pays out, and unfortunately that that may mean uh, MLS is, is delayed a little bit. Uh, the other reason that MLS doesn't want it to, to be delayed is the heavy international calendar and how much that dilutes the quality of MLS and the TV product, most importantly, and advertising that goes along with it. So uh, I could see you know, some small concessions on the player side, um, you know, lowering some numbers, giving up some uh, some additional benefits, but I think the the league's kind of got the 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 you know more to lose in this situation. All right, next question. Okay, in that case, since we don't necessarily know how the CBA plays out, when will the season begin? I think. Um, it won't be as bad a situation as it seems. I think that once the two sides actually start talking, it'll go not too horribly. So I think they're going to push back a month, basically, and that March will be spring training, and then they'll start play at the beginning of April. That's only like a three- to four-week delay. And it is I'm rough. super optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, um, MLS's target's mid-March. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy because you think next Monday, uh, Martin Luther King Day is normally the first day of training. Yeah. Um, which I've always been thankful my company gives me that day off to go to it. Uh, so I will have to find something else to do this year. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm kind of with you. I think like maybe the, the end of March, April, I think. Like you say, so far they they haven't, you know, the Players Association uh, received the offer on the 8th. They haven't returned a counteroffer. They have to go back through all the players. And they have, a, like, a committee where it's three players from each team. Yeah. Relay the thoughts to the players. The players go back to them. They go back to the association. It's, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, there's, there's a lot of moving parts there. And then you, MLS has to get its committee together, which I think Clark Hunt might be on, maybe. Um, but yeah, once they get talking and really get into it and they kind of figure out if they don't pull together, they're all going to lose money that things magically happen. Yeah, sticking with early April. All right, next question for you, Dan. And we kind of did this a little bit earlier was, will Frank O'Hara come good in 2021? Um, just like just like I said earlier, I just haven't seen the the kind of attitude that makes me think he's gonna pull through and be a li- be the leader and you know and, and have enough about him mentally to 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 pull himself up by the bootstraps. I think he's gonna be happy to take the money and uh, kind of see see those later years out. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he has the buy-in necessary to overcome his age deficiencies. Um, so I don't have him coming good either. I think it's going to be. I think he'll be end up being one of the great busts in Dallas history. 
unfortunately, as much as I wish he wouldn't just for the sake of the team winning, I don't think it's going to happen. It just makes Ricardo Pepe all the more likely to take over sooner than rather than later. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, better players, more positive players. Does Jimmy Maurer swap to the number one jersey? Yes, I think he does, and he better. And if they don't, it'll be I, – I, I think it's an insult. Now, Jimmy doesn't really seem to care about numbers very much, but the one is different. You know, he's more in the one with the cosmos and such. You know, people know what the one means. So I think, yes, 100%. Jimmy's earned the one. I think he gets the one. You know, Philippe is not in the mix, you know, for not really legitimately competing for the starting spot. Zobek, no chance. You know, Jimmy deserves it. Give the guy the one. Yeah. Um, like you say, Jimmy doesn't care at all about jersey numbers. So you could give him anything. Um, but I think the important part is it's, it's what you offer him. And if they offer him the one, he's going to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I think I think um, I would if I own the team, I would go far as to tell him he's taking the one. I don't care. You're wearing the one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, Felipe, he's got his 99, his birth year, the Brazilian thing that Brazilian keepers do. Um, I'm sure he's happy with that. Zobek, I mean, it doesn't really matter what number he's got. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see a reason to put anyone else in the number one jersey. All right, you know how I feel about numbers, Dan, so we're going to go with a little more number talk. What jersey number will Darth Hader, in other words, uh, Hader O'Brien, and Jose, Jose, Jose Martinez wear, the two new players? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, okay, Hader could potentially take the nine, thinking it's available. Um, I know you don't really like that on wingers, but... Mm. Uh, don't get me started. Uh, as a goal scorer, you know, he could... Um, uh, I, I I think uh, Martinez probably takes some double-digit number, that whatever. You know, defenders aren't normally too fussy. Well, I'm going to put uh, Jose Martinez. I, I think they'll offer him the three or the six, which are both available, and that he'll take six. I want him to take three, but he'll take six because he wore five uh, the last few years, so he'll, that's the closest one, so he'll be six. And then uh, Hadar or Hader, or I, I butcher his name, Darth Jader. Um, I am going to guess that he's going to take 16. Now, bear with me, because that's Pepe's number. He wore eight um, down in his home country. His last team wore eight. But mm-hmm. Brian Acosta's eight. So double eight is 16. Now, the reason I think that there's a chance that they've given him 16 or he's asked for 16 is because for some reason, and this is the next question, Dan, for some reason, Ricardo Pepe has started tagging his posts on Instagram with hashtag 25 in 2021. And I, so the next question is, what does 25 in 2021 mean on his thing? Because he, there's nothing in his stat line, unless you want to say he's played 24 regular season games. That seems silly. Does he think he's scoring 25 goals? That sounds like a lot. He's nowhere near 25 goals in his career. So how would you think he'd do that in one season? So I think it means that Pepe is switching to the number 25 because if you look at the numbers that are above 16, there's not a lot of them available. Now that Colin Montgomery's gone, 25 is available. So my guess is that Hadar's wearing 16 and Pepe is switching to 25 it's 2021. Do you? What do you think 25 and 2021 means? 
Okay, I don't think that's a hashtag. I think that is that is the pound sign. I think Ricardo Pepe is going to put on twenty five pounds in twenty twenty one. He's bulking up. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. gonna muscle in, you know, he's gonna gonna build himself some strength up, not be quite the the string bean guy. Uh, I'd also find it weird if he got the twenty five jersey and the number nine's just floating around unused. I know, but he's only eighteen. Do you give an eighteen year old the number nine? I mean, like if you if you think about the way Dallas does rosters, it's like the low end homegrowns and low end roster guys all have these high numbers. Seventeen is now available, but Nikosi Burgess wore seventeen in college, so probably asked for it already. And then it's like up until now, twenty one's been full. And then the, all that's left really is you get up to 25. So that's my guess is that he's switching to 25 and O'Brien's taking 16. I know. Crazy talk, right? All right, we, I lumped that in together, Dan, but I actually have one more. And this is the last question of the podcast. Ah, I have one more. Did you have a question? No, I, I just uh, I don't like surprises. Yeah, <laughs> this is a. I thought of this one in the middle of this thing. And I don't think it's too big of a surprising question. You'll be able to answer it fine. Will the MLS Liga MX merger of some level, whatever you want to call it, will that happen and how soon will it happen? Um, I would say it happens by whatever the main media deal is after 2023. Nailed it. That's exactly what I was going to say because right now, both of these leagues, because of COVID, are hurting. Both of these leagues see the possibility for a gigantic, humongous media deal coming in a couple. I think it's after the 2023 season, I think. So I think I agree with you. I think that something will happen on some level of merger before that media deal. And that's going to be because right now this league's losing money like crazy. And how long are these billionaires going to stick it out? And that that's the thing that will make them stick it out. They'll see that potential of that Liga MX merger and how huge it could be and how you could turn this into a super league in North America. They're going to see that and they're going to see that TV deal. And these billionaire owners are going to make it happen. And that's the thing that's going to make them stick around through these horrible financial times that are ahead over the next year or two is that golden goose on the horizon with a merger and that new media deal. That's what I think. That should be the new end to the podcast. Just that's what I think. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop doing the whispering thing. We'll just make it that. All right. Well, that's pretty much everything we had on our list. Dan, did you have anything else you wanted to get into the show? That was a lot of uh, hyperbole and conjecture. Uh, I mean, I guess it's uh, kind of a good thing to uh, say. The NWSL draft, uh, the top tier in women's soccer was yesterday. Uh, three local players got drafted, two of whom actually came through the FC Dallas Academy, um, which is insane. Um, so Madison Haley, the daughter of Charles Haley, goes seventh overall. Uh, she's a former Dallas Texan who played WPSL for FC Dallas. She is going to play for the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, you've got Addie McCain, um, who came through FC Dallas, went to A&M, she went in the second round to someone whose name escapes me. Um, she went to uh, the Kansas City team, which used to be the Salt Lake team, which before that was the Kansas City team. NWSL's crazy, right? 
Right. Uh, and then in the third round, a player we've actually on the blog covered uh, since she missed out on the under-17s World Cup, so for, for a good long time now. Uh, Taryn Torres uh, from the University of Virginia went to Sky Blue FC, where she'll be uh, playing behind uh, a certain Carly Lloyd. Also, the Roja League wrapped up. The Inverno Roja League, Denton Diablos, brought home the championship, knocked off FC Harrington. Uh, that that was a interesting uh, season, an interesting league. I, I love local soccer. I'm glad they're doing stuff. It now remains to be seen what in the world's going to happen with the NPSL and USL two and all that stuff in the COVID situation we have, and when they're going to get started, and are they going to get started? And some of those teams, along with Realados, are in um, the U.S. Open Cup. That'll be fun to watch over the next year. You, you know something? Uh, something jumps out to me there. Uh, Third degree is the only place where you can find local women's soccer, local youth soccer, local non-league, uh, semi-pro soccer, and great FC Dallas coverage. I think that's worth uh, subscribing to, to Patreon for. Well, thank you, Dan. That's a good segue. Yeah, patreon.com slash third degree if you want to support us. Um, there is extra content there depending on what level you subscribe at. We do the little daily burns. There's also a Discord if you're up above the $5 level. Um, which is a tight little group of people that are uh, having some good chat over there. So uh, thanks for bringing that up, Dan. I appreciate that. Yeah, and and yeah. the Burns, I mean, I've been, I've been listening to the Burns this week and they are like fantastic nuggets of information, like a little five minute thing, listen to it on the, on the can, listen to it on your drive to work. It's great. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Well, let's also remind you that uh, third degrees, the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90 you can still get 25% off site-wide for all third-degree podcast listeners with the promo code thirddegree on Soccer90.com. That's 3RD degree, just like the name of the podcast. That's still a good discount. Still not quite the 40% superstar holiday discount, but still a really good discount. Uh, we're super thankful to them for sponsoring the podcast. It's great to have a, a steady sponsor like that. And obviously they re-upped, so I'm glad that they enjoyed the thought they got a good value, and that's really exciting. All right, that's pretty much it, Dan. That's the end of episode 94. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Uh, thanks again to Pappy Check for the music. Thanks, Dan, for coming on and chatting soccer with me. Sorry to put you on the spot with some tough questions. Uh, I'm used to it now. <laughs> I can answer for days. It's fine. Awesome. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure and tune in next week for episode 95. And uh, we'll hope you have a good evening, and we'll talk again soon. That's what I think. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast.